Hello everyone. Welcome to this week's Reosik podcast. My name is Argo. Subhan is here with me. Today is 27th of March 2022. This week's episodes we are talking about how the last season ended, how this season is looking so far and some issues around the grid. let's uh, go ahead talking about um, the last season uh, and in the process maybe we are able to introduce people to the teams uh, a little bit what are the characteristics how they looked how they were actually looked at last season and vis-a-vis uh, some speculations about um, what will happen this season right yeah, yeah. so yeah okay so i mean the the way last season ended it's it's kind of things are up in the air because uh, first of all it's a bit difficult for people to reconcile with the fact that um it just ended with a huge controversy where right it was like literally the whole season was kind of de- decided on the very last lap of the last race in the typical like uh, it's, it's, it's like something that does not happen in f1 has not happened in f1 ever right right if if before this one if you put that in a f1 or any racing movie we would say that yeah. what is this i mean that's that's not realistic at all right but it's, you know it happens like a little drama it's like a, i don't know it's like a hindi series right. um so now the question um is that okay we have a new drivers champion and we have a new constructors champion and mercedes after losing the last race but winning the constructors championship they were trying to get on top of the news you know they were trying to control the narrative how things are yeah. playing out and obviously um, they tried to put a lot of pressure on the FIA saying yeah you need to investigate and FIA actually acknowledged they kind of removed massive uh, the former race director from yep. his place and then there's the replacing so there, there are some structural changes which are being made by the FIA which is kind of acknowledging the fact that uh, there were some huge fuck ups in the in the way that the last race played out yeah absolutely absolutely i think we we would agree uh, even the most um, most ferocious uh, max and red bull supporters would agree that the last race was not ideal there was uh, yeah, at the sure. least there was huge controversies and at the most there was maybe just a maybe little bit um, injustice to lewis there but um, but yeah it, that is what happened and uh, often truth is stranger than fiction and uh, that's what happened we can't um, you know ignore that fact now oh, um th- yeah please but then the, the, the thing that really um, kind of is bothering me right now that if you remember it was i think the second week of january when right. mark released a video saying hey this is the new engine of the new season do you remember right. yeah they were like yeah this is the first fire of test and we just got to hear some noise and it just you know like it seemed like mercedes is trying to um kind of provide the narrative like oh well we are the constructors champion we have been champions for like consecutive i don't know god knows how many years 6 7 years 
Yeah. And then they were like, oh, it doesn't really rattle us because, you know, we are the champions and we have our right. new engine and our car is almost ready. Whereas Red Bull guys, they were they pretty much laid pretty low. I mean, there was not a lot of press conferences. There was not a lot of, I mean, except from Helmut Mark. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when does he not talk? Yeah, so. exactly. So there, was, there was not a whole lot of talk from, from their side. Like how they interpreted, they just said, okay, you know, we just... You know, somehow we won it, I guess, and they tried to move on. And yeah. I think they were the last team who who released their car, or at least like. Um, yeah, one of the last major teams, I would say. Yep. Yeah, because because like they were supposed to be, I think the third one who re- who showed the render of their car, and the car is actually totally different than what it looked. Yeah. At least in the first days. So now. <sighs> Now we have we have seen the first race of the new season, right? And and now we have seen where at least for the first couple of weekends where Red Bull stands and yeah, and where Mercedes stands. Um, so just to I, go off, sorry, uh, just just to go off on your point there, um, like how Red Bull laid low. I would say one of the reason would be that uh, there are major changes there, right? Uh, maybe functionally nothing changed because HRC, Honda Racing Company, probably the full name, they are still providing the engines. But still, I would imagine there was a structural shift and uh, organizational organizational shift at Red Bull end um, that made them more busy than uh, usual. I I would say, and uh, developing a new engine on top of that was not easy for that new and competitive that too. Right. Um, that was one point, but like like you said, when we when we proceeded to the new season, the new the, the first race started, and uh, we sort of got to see in the pecking orders um, how all the teams are lining up, right? And um, and uh, you know we saw Red Bull has built a pretty fast engine, but then then again we saw that um, it did not really hold up until the end of the race. Uh, there was fuel pressure issues that we got to know of. Um, I mean, what 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 do you say more uh, about that about the Red Bull engine in this new season? It's actually quite fascinating because I mean, obviously they are um, still under the uh, you know under the same Honda uh, hierarchy. Like the engine right. is still being maintained by Honda. It's the same guys in Milton Keynes. Um, right. Like right now, they're calling it, I don't know what the racing, HRC, Honda uh, Racing Company, something. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. You're right. So, right now, for, for 2025, I think they're calling that. And then after that, they're just going to call it Tagware, Honda, whatever. Um, so, I'm, I'm obviously interested to see how, like, the, how they're, managing the whole process because it's gonna i think it's gonna be homologated in september this year so after that they're not allowed to uh, love the engine to increase uh, power output at least right right they i think they can bring liability changes uh, quality control purposes and stuff like that but um yeah so i mean in the last couple of races last season we saw that uh, the Mercedes engine, which they brought, I think, in Brazil, it yeah. was absolutely like a monster of an engine, you know. Yeah. Um, if you remember, the Louis yeah. basically carved to the whole field from the back of the grid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He won that race. 
on merit. Uh, right, of course, of course. Like that. So, so, so that kind of gave me the impression that Mercedes was really on top of their engine and there shouldn't have been a lot of changes in the engine, uh, you know, right. in the last, I don't know, three, four months at most. Yeah. This is quite interesting that at the beginning of this season, for some reason, Mercedes is having so much trouble, uh, at least in pure race pace or pure yeah. one lap pace, because in Bahrain on, on the streets, we got to see their high speed was at least, I think, eight, 10, almost 15 kilometers uh, less than what Red Bull had. Yeah. Um, even, even Ferrari had about 10 kilometers on them. So yeah. I mean, it could be an error issue, but it's very strange because being a works team, um, you have much more, uh, you know, freedom to change the engine setups and and the error setups, and, and um, which you don't get while being a customer team. You know, but for some reason, Mercedes is actually quite close to some of its customer teams right now. Right, which is pretty strange. Which is which is fascinating. I, I would say it's a fascinating case study. Like I don't know last time when uh, this kind of a situation happened. Another thing I would like to add is: Do you think it it has something to do with the amount of effort and um, and uh, wind tunnel times they have put in last season on improving the last season's car as opposed to the other teams which who you know already put focus um, on building the next year's car. So, yeah, do you think that's interesting? It... Because, uh, so for reference, we have already watched um, the qualifying for the Saudi Arabian GP this year. Right. Um, today is 27th March. Today we have the Saudi Arabian GP race. Um, so, yesterday, while I was watching the qualifying, I remember Sam Collins from F1 TV. He was uh, saying that there was this general narrative or understanding that Mercedes was. Was not really compromising their next year's car when they were building the last year's car. Whereas the narrative was that Red Bull is probably going all in um, on the last year's car just to win the season. Right. So, I mean, yeah, the new cost cap era is, is upon us and they probably did not have as much as wind tires where I mean, uh, number of times, excuse me, um, compared to, I don't know. Let's say Williams or Haas. Haas, yeah, yeah. Matter. Yeah. But um, I think I was uh, listening to a commentator on the on the day of the qualifying for the Saudi GP, where they were mentioning how Haas almost got ten times the wind tunnel time than the champions, right? And uh, for every more session of uh, wind tunnel, you almost gain ten times better aero, right? It's, it's just how things work. And uh, if we go by that metric, um, I would say, yes, Mark uh, got the short end of the stick in terms of how much wind tunnel time they got for, yeah. especially for the new season, if they used up some of the wind tunnel time last time around for their last year's car. So that might explain some of the things. Although, although I would say for the reigning champions to, um, to have their car, you know, this destabilized, I would say, is, is kind of un, unusual. Like, uh, you wouldn't expect them to dip that much, right? At the same time, though, um, we were just mentioning we watched the qualifying yesterday. So, I, I, I would say Mercedes still makes uh, both cars the same way. Both cars have the 
have basically the same um, hardware, right? Now, is it the case that uh, George Russell's uh, setup is a bit bit better than uh, what Lewis had? And that was the reason that um, he couldn't, you know, go past Q1, which was quite shocking around the F1 world and rightly so. Uh, what's your thought, thoughts on that? It's is it just up to the setup of the cars or why did Russell perform significantly better than Lewis? I guess that's the only way to explain it because uh, at the end of the qualifying, Lewis was also saying that uh, he didn't like certain changes they made after the P3 session. Right. Um, and he even said, I think, that he wants to consider starting from the pit lane, doing some more setup changes, so at least the car will be faster than how it behaved. At least the handling of the car will be better, I guess. Right. Um, because you're right, like all the components and all the upgrades that Mark supposedly has brought, they are pretty much the same on the two cars. And you wouldn't expect George Russell to just go in and, you know, uh, beat Lewis by eight tenths, seven tenths in the second quality session of the yeah. season. So, yeah, there there must be some kind of uh, setup-related issues in there. So, right. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, just uh, let's just switch gears, pun intended, <laughs> from our last uh, discussion to, you know, to talk about a little bit about uh, what happened in the last uh, Bahrain GP and uh, some of the issues that we have seen there. So two major issues that I can name, um, you know, on the top of my head right now, you can add if you want. One of the issues is during the practices, um, we saw a lot of porpoising there, right? And a lot of tire lockups. Um, and the second issue I would say is the, obviously the two, the three out of four Red Bull powertrain powered cars did not complete the race. Now, Let's let's go into the purposing issue first. Um, what do you say there? Right. So um, that's that's a really interesting thing that's going on this season. I mean, purposing is apparently nothing really new to, to motorsport, but right. just to touch upon like what it is, it's just that um, we know like this year these cars are extremely dependent on downforce because they wanted to get rid of a lot of these aero devices because right. it was making the air dirty and stuff. So what they have done is they got rid of all the aero devices on the car, like part boards and you know the white vortex was created by the front wings and, and, and stuff. Instead, they have brought back the ground effects, which will make the car stick to the ground. And as the name suggests, the ground effect car needs to be really close to the ground. Right, but right. sometimes what's happening is instead of being very close to the ground, they're actually making contact with the ground. So there is no space for the air to escape. And the ground effect is totally lost in that process. So like they are in a very fancy way, they're calling it stalling. Um, right. So when you stop- Very aeronautic of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, just to explain, um, so when you when the car is making contact with the ground, uh, it's just losing all its downforce, and then the car kind of goes up, so it creates a lot of space again under the floor of the car, and then the ground effect comes back, sucks it in. So if you can imagine when you're driving really fast through a really really fast, I don't know, straight or a corner, the car 
uh, keeps losing and gaining down frequently, and which creates like a really jerky motion. And I think we have seen the Mark doing it quite a lot. We have seen right. the Williams doing it. Um, even I think for one or two sessions, we saw even RP do it. Right. Um, the Ferrari has been doing it pretty consistently, but their drivers are doing it really well. Um, yeah. So anyway, it seems. Yeah, like I think that's. Uh, I think those are all fair points. And um, uh, if if someone is wondering what is porpoising, it's it's just uh, what it sounds like. So porpoise is a kind of dolphin or that kind of aquatic animal. Like they go up and down on the water, right? So and it looks exactly how how it sounds like. So it just uh, it. It looks as though they are going over some speed breakers on a road, right? So yeah. they just go up and down. And uh, yeah. if if you look at the view from the from the driver's head, right, um, you'll get to see how violent that is for the driver, right? So their their head and their body are being thrown up and down within that small confines of a car. It it is very very uncomfortable to drive in a purposing condition like that, right? Um, what what do you say would be an effective way to remove that uh, porpoising issue? Is it that uh, lessen the ground effect, sort of, you know, yeah. lessen the downforce? Yeah, so yeah. that's really interesting because um, that's one of the ways to get rid of the porpoising. So you can imagine, you know, make the car rake high enough so it doesn't really touch the ground even under really extreme load of braking um, after like a fast straight. But what happens is then your car is quite, uh, you know, away from the ground most of the time. And yeah. then you lose a lot of ground force. And if you yeah. lose a lot of ground force, then it creates a lot of drag. And you right. cannot go fast enough. So we see right. in Aston Martin, they were pretty fast during the test. And they were proposing quite a lot. So they have made the rake of the car quite high. And then now the effects are in and uh, they're not really fast enough. And I, right. I think that's that's also the issue with most of the Mark customer teams. You can see Williams doing it. Um, yeah. You can probably also see uh, Mark themselves because they have also a slightly higher car um, yeah. compared to the RV and the uh, Ferraris. Right, right. So, I, I I would agree there, and um, and it's it's uh, it sounds like it's a trade off, right? It's a trade off between okay. how much uh, you know purposing you want to get rid of and uh, how much ground effect you still need in the car in order to gain your speed. Are yeah. they like Ferrari? They are kind of letting their drivers deal with it that they have not increased the rake of the car. But then it was quite interesting to see George Russell deal with it during the qualifying. So if you remember, um, okay. during his last Q3 lap, I believe. He locked up his right front and then went deep and he lost a whole bunch of time. So what happened there is, I mean, obviously the bar end track itself is quite bumpy, at least the first, uh, the whole straight leading up to the turn one. Yeah. Um, so then he was proposing quite a lot and the car was really jumpy and what happened is he missed his braking point. And because yeah. of that, he went really deep, he locked up his wheel and yeah, that was done for him for Q3. So. Right. I mean, I think Mark is trying out different solutions. They're also letting their drivers try, you know, uh, get a feel for it and try to yeah. deal with it. But maybe for a quality setup, that's fine. But when you are going, I don't know, 300 kilometers during the race, probably it's, it's too much to deal with. Um, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, so that could actually compromise quite a lot of their strategy. Uh, because if yeah. you have to increase the risk of the car, at least in the race simulation, you, you are losing maybe two thirds uh, or even five tenths of a second every lap, and you're just not competitive in that way. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I, I would agree to that. And it would be interesting to see how that kind of works out throughout the season, right? And like you mentioned in, the, in Bahrain, um, the track wasn't smooth enough, especially uh, before the turn one, right? Um, but uh, as far as I know, the, in the Saudi GP, this is, an, this is a relatively newer surface. So uh, there's a lot less bumps um, on, this, on this track. It's a lot more smoother. Um, I think the purposing issue would be a bit easier to deal with in the Saudi GP. What do you think? So, but then in the uh, pre-practice two, I think we saw the Ferraris purposing quite a lot. In, in fact, yeah. Sainz, I believe, was on a fast lap and he just aborted because he was jumping around. The car was throwing him around so much. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm not really sure because you can imagine if it's a really uh, smooth track, so then what happens is your ground effect is pretty consistent and the proposing right. is happening because the ground effect keeps changing over a breaking point and you know uh, when you're going fast and since right. uh, the Saudi track predominantly it's, it's like very fast corners all yeah. the way through turn 11 uh, starting from the you know starting grid if there is a there's a lot of time there where you have to be on the throttle right then it kind of uh, increases your chance of purposing if your car is kind of prone to do that. Uh, right. So it's, it's kind of interesting, even in that sense, like even if you're getting the track, which is not bumpy enough, in that mm -hmm. case, the purposing issue is also aggravated because it's how smooth it is. Um, right. But I, 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 you know what, I, I guess um, the teams will probably get some handle on it uh, yeah. in, in, in the next few races. And maybe when, when we reach the summer break or maybe after the summer break, we may not have to hear so much about proposing. Right, right. Okay, fair, fair enough. I think uh, I, I think we have covered the major issue of the Bahrain GP, which was proposing, uh, and we have another one at hand, which is three out of four Red Bull cars did not finish the race. Right. Uh, in the subsequent meetings and uh, uh, and on the press, we got to hear how the Red Bull engines had lower fuel pressure. Right. Uh, some people are saying it is because of the new E10 sustainable fuel, which has more ethanol, and uh, that is evaporating at a lower temperature that Red Bull would expect, and that's why they're not gaining enough pressure. Um, I was wondering if you if you have any insights on that. Yeah, I think you have you have totally hit it on the nail. Uh, so at least for Max and Perez's car, it seemed like that would be the issue because they. First, they were saying there was some issue with the fuel pump, which is right. a homologated uh, component of the car, which is kind of standard for everyone. And they were having some issues with the fuel pump because right. it, was, it was not really providing, uh, I think, the total amount of fuel it was supposed to provide during the practices. So some of the teams, they went to the FIA and, and asked that if they want to, uh, sorry, if they can um, check those component before they went on to qualifications. So right. I think Red Bull was very um, prone to jump the gun with that because, because it was not developed by them, that, that specific component. 
but later it kind of came out that it might be the issue of the fuel itself and as you know the fuels are kind of uh, provided by the customers of the teams so it, it's yeah. kind of up to them at this point um, right. to kind of solve the issue but what do you think about gas based car because that that didn't really have any uh, fuel related issue um, yeah it, it was having trouble throughout and in fact we also saw yesterday uh, in the Saudi GP squad um, Sunoda, I think he could not go out in Q2 because he just went out, he was doing one uh, warm-up lap and the team just came on the radio and said, hey, we need to check the car and they boxed him and he didn't yeah. go out anymore. Yeah, so, yeah, and uh, like, like, like you said, regarding Sunoda's car yesterday, um, as far as I could make out from the, from the team radios, it also seemed like it was an engine-related issue, right? Um, now, from Max and Perez's car, um, from, at least from the quality, it seemed okay. But then again, it seemed okay in Bahrain as well. Uh, but the race is another animal altogether, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, if if the Alpha Tauri of Sunoda is an indication, but by the way, just to put it in perspective, Sunoda's car was the only Red Bull power train car that actually finished the race uh, in Bahrain, right? The rest of them didn't. Yeah, um, it's the red herring. Right, right. So it's... Uh, it seems like it's persistent now. Now, if maybe Red Bull will be able to fix it quicker than their um, than their sister team Alpha Tauri there, right? Um, I, I don't know. It it will be it will be really interesting to see how it pans out. But I would hope that uh, Red Bull and Alpha Tauri both at least at least get some handle on this uh, engine issue before before you know before at least the third race comes around because. I don't know about the uh, final race today, how it turns out. Um, I hope that Red Bull themselves have fixed the issue, at least to complete the race. But about Alpha Tauri, this is a, this is a very bad sign that uh, Yuki Tsunoda also had uh, engine tr troubles, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens at the main race, right? Um, yeah, and, I, and, and for sure, like you wouldn't want them to, to not finish the race. But then right. it, it's quite worrying that all these Red Bull Powertrain cars are having several different troubles. So like um, Gasly's cars unit, I think, it went up in fire last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was worrying to see in the same oh, corner yeah. as, as Grosjean. That is, oh, yeah. that is stuff of nightmare for every F1 fan, I, I think. like that. We, we don't want to see that. Yeah, we definitely yeah. don't want to yeah, see that happen again. Um, but but yeah, it it seems like their engine department has some uh, quality control uh, to do on, right. on their engines and fuel pumps and fuel related related stuff. Right, right, right. All right, fair fair enough. Let's uh, let's uh, change our point again to the success stories of this uh, season so far. Right, the Ferraris. Finally, it looks like the Ferraris again have a very com uh, competitive and a very good car. Um, some people are saying that it is only due to their engine. Their engine is more uh, powerful this time. And uh, that argument may have some leg considering Ferrari's sister teams are doing well as well. Case in point, Haas. Um, but you can also make the point that uh, it's not about only the straight line top speed. It's also about the cornering and the aero package that uh, Ferrari themselves have uh, developed. So what do you think about that? Well, there, there are a couple of points when it comes to Ferrari success because 
uh, in 2018 when they turned up to the grid with their blink blink new engine. Right. Um, they were pretty fast. Like they, right. they won the inaugural GP. Um, then in Bahrain, Shar uh, almost won it. And then, yeah, there the, the was a failure there. Um, so they, they, they kind of, I mean, well, it was allegedly illegal and allegedly they did something with the fuel pump. Um, right. But they were kind of not by the FIA in that case. So it doesn't yeah. really mean that they had a bad engine so far, but it was just that they were supposed to do something with their engine so that they suffer. Uh, in that specific department. And probably that's also the reason why Haas and Alfa Romeo were not really competitive over the last two or three seasons. Right. But you kind of need to remember uh, it's pretty much the same as happened with Haas or Alfa Romeo um, because in 2020 season, uh, Ferrari, I think, came seventh. Right. They had a whole lot of more... Uh, Time to invest with the Aero uh, package. Uh, they had a whole lot of more time with CFD and also the wind tunnel. So when they actually showed up this season with this very elegant and very complex looking uh, side pods of their car, it was it was not to surprise of everyone that they could do something like that because they had the resources and they also yeah. had the time to invest on. And yeah. since blink blink, their engine is not <laughs> that bad anymore. Right. Not very surprising that they are really really fast this season. Um, and it's it's kind of showing uh, also in the performances of Bottas in uh, Alpha and also right. in K Mag with Haas. Uh, what is quite interesting though that there are certain rumors flying around in the paddock that. Um, Ferrari and Haas has kind of collaborated uh, on their wind tunnels, so it's like they have shared data, which is definitely a no-no by the FIA, but I don't think there is any formal investigation on that or any team has lodged any complaints about it, but there, you know, uh, as we know with F1, drama is always just following the whole circus around, so yeah. there's a lot to see, um, and we, we never really know how much it's going to unfold in the later races. I mean, if yeah. Ferrari keeps dominating, it is not totally out of the realm of imagination that some teams, uh, probably <coughs> Red Bull <coughs> teams and Red Bull, yeah, they will probably go ahead and have some kind of <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but you know, Ferrari and McLaren has some history on that, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like right, right on cue. You brought up uh, McLaren there. Um, last Bahrain GP we saw, it was a very, very disappointing performance from them. I mean, uh, right from the qualifying and uh, and the final race also, it looked like the race strategy was wrong. They came on in the mediums while the whole grid was on softs. Right. Um, what What do you think about them? Well, yeah. Um, it's it's quite interesting. I think we were sitting there in the top corner one, uh, right. sorry, turn one, and yeah. we were so excited, hey, look, they're on the medium tires, and they're, you know, probably trying to do the race on, on just uh, one, uh, you know. Pit stop. Uh, yeah, I mean, not one pit stop, it's like, you know, the, the, the strategy A, let's say. 
right, right. them onto uh, kick stuff. Um, but yeah, it didn't really pan out for them. I mean, obviously, it's easier to say in retrospect, but yeah, <laughs> of course. But then you kind of have to consider that Daniel was really sick the week before. He didn't really have much time for test. Uh, he missed a whole testing in, in Barcelona, and then uh, you can imagine, like after COVID, he's probably not at at uh, at the level that he wants to be to compete in the right. race. But it was quite interesting to see Lando also not go pretty much anywhere, and he fell from 14th to 18th, I think, at the end of the race. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they have some gremlins to sort out in that car. Like when when they came out this season. I think their car was one of the very first ones to be released and it, it looked amazing. Their defender right. was quite unique. Um, so everyone was quite hyped up, I think, quite rightfully so. Um, yeah. But yeah, they have not been uh, showing much pace in the races. I think the last time they were really fast was in uh, Barcelona, the, test, the first and second test session. Right. Um, so I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't really know because even the drivers at the end of the race, they seemed very confused. Uh, yeah. Yes. So, like, they couldn't really say why exactly it's happening. I and mean, obviously, they have the marking you know, in the back of the car. So, that's all. That's another, story. yeah. Like, yeah. But they were not really proposing. Like, one of the main stories regarding the McLaren was they looked really planted. And yeah. we, also, we also got to see during the race, they weren't sliding around. I mean, I'm right. not really sure how successful they were warming up the tires, but that's probably a different conversation. Right. Yeah. And and yeah, it is one one of the one of the major shockers uh, this season since Bahrain. I think um, the the performance of McLaren has has dropped in the sense like uh, when you see their uh, competitors have improved so much, and uh, they they have dropped so much as well. Right. Uh, it is kind of dis- dis- disheartening to see uh, from a, from a team that is you know a legacy team from the from the F1 era, right? Um, another thing we can say who has also fallen uh, is Aston Martin, right? Um, uh, in the Baden race, uh, it didn't look like Lance Stroll was uh, was up for anything, right? Um, and it doesn't uh-huh. help that, yeah. Please go it's on. Debatable. He has never really been out there with anybody else, to be honest. <laughs> right, right. Except yeah, Charlie. that's true. The rain helped him. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess that's true. But uh, it's, it's, it's uh, another of, of those teams alongside uh, McLaren that uh, we would w- wait and see how, how that uh, works out. And it doesn't help that... Sebastian Vettel has not been able to race for the first two GPs because of um, being sick with COVID, right? So let's see, let's see how they come back from the next GP, right? Um, in, in, in the very beginning, I mean, not even beginning, since last season when, they're, when they started to go through this big shuffle and restructuring of the whole organization. Correct. Stuff, mm-hmm. um, there has been stories and there has been, you know, uh, comments coming out of the team that oh they were they were looking uh, really strong and they're right. investing quite heavily so it was definitely a big shocker for me at least when uh, they they came out with that really nice looking car and were pretty much nowhere uh, <laughs> I, yeah I mean obviously in F1 it takes quite a lot of time and quite a lot of investment and patience to, to move yeah. up the grid 
But so far, what we have seen with this team for the last, I think, two seasons after Perez leave, um, yeah. they are pretty much going down backwards the, down the hill. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know how long Vettel will also put up with this team. So, uh, yeah, fingers crossed for him also. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a that's a very very good point. And uh, another point might be that. Uh, uh, at, at another team that we were talking about just now, which is the McLaren, uh, it would be interesting to see how long they keep hold on uh, Danny Ricardo. Um, I mean, Norris is, is the younger driver. Uh, I think we can say that uh, they would try everything to retain him, but um, it's definitely it will be definitely interesting to see if uh, McLaren doesn't go anywhere with Danny Ricardo, what what happens to him, right? Yeah, well, they they signed. The- I think a five-year contract in the beginning or at the end of last season with Lando, and it, it made a huge splash. Right. Um, judging by their performances right now, I'm not really sure how happy Lando will be, but I'm sure there will be some kind of exit process that, uh, in that uh, you know, five-year contract of his. Although, if we were to believe Andrea Seidel, he actually commented that there is no uh, breakout clause in there. Right. Pretty, pretty surprising uh, as far as contracts go, I guess. But yeah. then Danny Rick, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of time uh, for him to show what he is made of in, in that car. Uh, yeah. Everyone was cutting him a slack for the first year because he also struggled quite a lot when he moved to Renault for the first year. But then from the second year, I think, uh, he got the measure of Ocon there. Right, so, right. I, I think people will be expecting a lot more from him this season. And if he doesn't really deliver, or at least he doesn't really beat his teammate uh, convincingly, right. I'm not sure we will be seeing him around in the grid for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you there. I mean, uh, the whole MO of Danny Ricardo at this point is, a, is, a, is of a more experienced driver who has been around for a long time and uh, you would expect for him to be a senior uh, and uh, and a team lead sort of a thing with uh, with Lando who is a young driver right yeah, um, yeah it's it's kind of interesting to see um, anyway let's just uh, switch our conversation to what do you expect to happen uh, today today is 27th by the way um, the day of the main race at the Saudi GP so yeah. what do you expect yeah, it's uh, it's quite difficult to 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 predict anything when it comes to um, right. a race like that because the Red Bulls and Ferrari they're just on top of each other. It's I uh, I would say it will be really interesting and, and really entertaining because um, Checo Perez who has really good tire management skill which is right. pretty much needed for a really fast track like this. But he does not have, usually, well, uh, does not have a race pace at par with Max, who is starting fourth. And the two Faris will be between them, trying to overtake Checo. Uh, But this track, as we know, is not really uh, conducive of a lot of overtakes. So if if they can survive the first few turns, I think we're in for a really great race, at least for the race leaders. And then right. if Lewis makes some set, setup changes and uh, gets his car where he wants it to be, I think there is potential also for him to 
Absolutely. Uh, to the grid and, and maybe end up at least somewhere around six, seven. Yeah, and uh, Lata, and no. yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Uh, and and there there are chances of uh, safety car as well in in a track oh, like yes, this, which sure. you know plays a huge role. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like usually we see Lewis luck out quite a lot in lot of races. Exactly. Um, it's it's it, it's it's nothing to say, uh, you know, that uh, like his success comes with a lot of unprecedented luck, but then we have seen him at least in the last couple of seasons to get. Quite a bit lucky. He also right. got a bit lucky in Bahrain with the yeah. safety car. Um, yeah. So well, we will see if 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 luck has something to do with uh, Lewis's race today. We can we can even see him end up in the podium again. Right, right. Yeah, I think uh, we have covered all our bases there. I think uh, this is our episode for this week. Um, well, see you next week. Thank all you. Right. See ya.